Talk Recorded live. Welcome to episode eight of Scoop Obsessed, between dive shows and between dives. Uh, this week we're going to talk about last week's dive show and this next week's dive show. We also have these scuba stories in the news, historic oil sheens, scuba diving price fixing case, world's youngest scuba diver, sea lamprey, the battle continues, and the TV series Sea Hunters Honored. Uh, I'm your host, Darren Jilson, and this is my co-host, Jim. I'm Jim. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. I almost forgot your name. I was thinking who... That's- that's okay. It's on my uh, it's on my lunch bag, but uh, you can't see that from here. No, I can't. So, uh, how's your week going? Uh, I, you know what? It's uh, it's nothing to be complaining about. But I would rather be diving. Oh, I would say I'd rather be diving for anything. But I definitely know how you feel this week. This has been one of those weeks. It didn't start off too bad, but it just slowly been sliding downhill. And TGIF for tomorrow. I am ready for it. Absolutely, and uh, we don't have any diving coming up in the near future, but uh, not so far off. I think we can get something in. Yeah, I'm definitely going through the withdrawals, and you know, from what we saw this last weekend, uh, I, I'm I'm more than ready. So, for those of you who didn't know, we went to Our World Underwater in Chicago, uh, Midwest's largest scuba show. Uh, Forty years; it was our 40th anniversary. Yeah, the they show. had quite a to do. Uh, it yep. was. And so what do you think of the show? Well, I, uh, you know, it was, uh, I'd been to other shows, uh, outdoor shows and things like that, but never a scuba show. So I really didn't know what to expect. I was very surprised and uh, pleasantly surprised about some of the, the seminars that went on. Um, you could see a seminar on just about any subject you would want there. And uh, and plenty of gear to, uh, to drool over. Um, I think we all went around and... Looked around at uh, some of the gear uh, wantonly, didn't we? I certainly did. And I have to give credit to the organizers of that show. Very well done. Didn't have to wait in any lines. Everything was professional. All the AV gear worked in the seminars. Show floor was nice, clean. Uh, About the only complaint I had was the lunchroom. (laughs) It brought me back to my high school days. You know, ladies with... uh, fishnet stockings i hope they're not listening because you know next time we're over there they might spike something in our food but that's right uh yeah but it was uh you know it was uh it was certainly a step up from uh vending machine food and uh my real interest was to get back onto the floor and look at uh, some of the gear and and uh, think about some of the trips that were being offered um if you were in the market for either gear or a, a dive vacation uh, you could have taken care of your needs right there. There was there was gear a go go. Uh, what what booth do you think attracted your attention the most there? Um, uh, it, it, honestly, the dry suits. I uh, it uh, because I <laughs> I have been just lusting over some dry suits uh, here lately, and uh, so that really stuck uh, stuck to me. My son's looking for a BC, so uh, those were kind of drawing us in. Um, but there was some really neat gear. There was some, uh, boy, there was a, a booth that had some really, really well-priced uh, cameras and lights. Um, be curious to see how some of those uh, uh, hold up over time. Uh, what what kind of caught your eye? 
Well, I would have to say of any booth that probably had the biggest crowd, uh, it had to be that Dive Heart booth. Uh, yeah. And that's that's an excellent charity. If you don't know, it's centered out of Chicago, but I'm sure they're everywhere in the U.S. now, maybe even in the world. But it's an organization that does training for disabled veterans, uh, gets them into doing some scuba diving. And they were doing a raffle, and you you couldn't even get close. It'd be interesting to see how well they did. They had to do do very well there. Uh, but as far as a and and then another booth that uh, you know was definitely drawing attention was the Scuba Radio Mermaids. <laughs> well, that was an attention of a different sort there, but it uh, it certainly uh, it certainly did, didn't it? It did. Uh, our 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 fearless uh, mentor. Uh, was drawn there right away, and uh, we we got some pictures of him. Uh, he had a big smile on his face and enjoying being there with the women. So uh, he had a good time. But as, as far as gear went, uh, you know, specifically do some name dropping. I I liked the uh, dive right booth. I th- I thought that was uh, uh, nice how they had that set up. And then DUI dry suits. You know, we've been doing this ice dives, and I definitely am ready for a dry suit. And that DUI booth and and uh, you know, some of the booths there, you'd walk around the show, and it wasn't all of them, but there's enough of them where you really wanted to ask a question, and you could not get the attention of the person working in the booth, and it's not because there are too many people there. They just didn't seem to be that concerned about selling anything. Uh, but the DUI booth, I have to say, was completely different. I walked in there, and, you know, I, I kind of do the, you know, the car, you know, I'm buying a car routine, you know, no, no, just looking, just looking. Right. Uh, they they had there was only three or four people in there, but they were real pleasant. They were talking, and this this one uh, lady just you know answered questions. And I wanted to know about you know what's a tri lamb, what's the uh, CF, you know what's all the suits. And she was even giving me some inside information about some dry suits that they got coming up. And you know I was just really impressed with uh, just. You know, the friendly and explain how everything worked. So that was great. Now I still haven't decided in a dry suit. Uh, I think, you know, I don't think anybody can go wrong with a DUI, but I haven't decided if DUI is in my price frame or right. price range yet. Price range. Right. 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 The, the, <laughs> you can, you can find dry suits, uh, anywhere from, uh, you know, down to the high hundreds under a thousand dollars, all the way on up to pretty much the sky's the limit. Um, but I, I, I have the problem of where, like when I go to replace a car, I can option that thing out so it's no longer affordable for me. So that's something to be cautious of uh, on my own part. Otherwise, I'm going to get in way too deep on something. But I'd like to go back to what you were talking about. There was, um, there, like any any service industry, <clears throat> it sometimes... Uh, Getting somebody who's attentive and helpful is difficult, but I'd like to give a, a prop to the, the guys at the Ziegel booth. Um, they took a, took the time to uh, walk us through the, the ripcord weight ditch system. I think that's uh, it's the ripcord system. Um, showed my son how to uh, how it operates and, and, more importantly, how to put it back together because I had been kind of afraid of how that would work. Um, and it's really a simple system, easy to put back together. And, uh, you know, when people treat you like that, um, they may have just bought a customer. And, uh, you know, my son is just getting into it, so he's got uh, – 
over his lifetime, he'll have some money to spend. And uh, you treat somebody right from the get-go, and, and none of that makes a lasting impression. It certainly does. Yeah, and that's, you know, if you're a retailer in the scuba industry, that's something you have to remember is that, that presence in the booth. That might be the only time you get to come one-on-one with any of your customers. And so that that contact is important, that first impression. Uh, but there, but yeah, I would have to say in a majority, most of the booth uh, vendors were, were doing really well. Uh, I saw some interesting uh, just pieces of gear, stuff you, I wouldn't see and you really need to see in person. Uh, there was an interesting uh, rec spool that somebody was selling there. I thought that was nice, uh, a little pricey for what I thought because, I mean, I could buy, lose eight or nine spools for the price of this one, but it was cool. Uh, well, the the flip side of that too is though, um, we are not yet in a situation where that that spool um, breaking on us would be a big deal. Um, you know, some of the people that attended that show were way way far more advanced as to to you know penetrations of uh, wrecks or caves, and that that reel is uh, is is literally their lifeline. So. I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder as to to how expensive it is or or how much is overkill, you know. Yep. But it was a nice piece of gear. Yeah. So and, and that's a lot of what you you're going to be doing there is uh, get to touch something you can't something you can't see in the catalog, uh, so you actually get to see it there, and then uh, you can go back to your local retailer and recommend some stuff you'd like to see him carry. You know, always support your your local retailer. These these online retailers they can be great for some stuff, but you know they're not going to be refilling your air tanks for you. So that's exactly right. Excuse yeah. me, I had a piece of buttered popcorn in my throat. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, I can't mail order my tanks to be refilled. I can't mail order somebody to explain to me uh, how to properly operate my gear to properly uh, uh, fit me or show me how to use something. So our local guys are uh, are glad to have them around. Certainly. Uh, you know, the, the cameras, you know, we talk about different levels of gear. You know, they had a lot of uh, cameras there. You're able to see the different housings, the different level. And I, and I was tempted. There were some that were there that were within the walking around money I had in my pocket. But, you know, I, I just couldn't part with it. I was trying to decide, you know, because it, it's not really what I want. You know, like we talked about pricing ourselves out of a market. You know, it's it's not really what I want. You know, I, I, I it either needed to be another, uh, you know, another 20% cheaper or it needed to be twice as good. I mean, that's, I mean, not that I'm cheap, which I am, uh, but <laughs> I, I just couldn't part with it because I, I really want something that I can get a representation, you know, just to kind of do a quick snapshot, a kind of uh, a point and shoot underwater, or I want something that, you know, is making cinema quality. And, and a lot of that was, it was an excellent value if that met your needs, but. Not quite what I was looking for in those dive lights. Man, I was tempted, but you know, mm-hmm. I've got I've got lights that fit the purpose to what they were there. Right. I mean, they had a little three light LED uh, in one of the booths that I would call pretty much disposable. It was like five bucks. So you know, you can't. I mean, even if it never sees water, that's not a bad price. And right. uh, and there were and that, but you know, you're going to get what you pay for. I'm I'm afraid. And uh, also the rating on it wasn't quite deep enough as I would go. And then there was some other. Uh, uh, dive light vendors there that did have some really nice gear that I might have to save up for. Uh, yeah, yeah, they did. And one of the nice things about a a, a dive light 
um, that's in a price point that low is it makes a nice gear setup. Like, you know, if you're doing a night dive or an early morning dive or, a, yeah. you know, you need a little light to set up your gear, take it down, but not necessarily to go in deep with you. Those make an awesome little light for that purpose. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I guess I probably should have picked up a couple just for that. And you know, even if you're not going more than six inches underneath, at least it's not going to, you know, smoke out on you when it uh, gets a little water splashed on it. Right. Right. So, uh, but there's that. And if you're looking for vacations, I'm not currently in the market for vacation and I've already got a list about eight long of places I already want to hit. But if you wanted to just shop around, I, it seemed like every dive location and, you know, Northern and Southern hemispheres was represented there. Yeah. They had a couple of, of those that did catch my eye. Uh, one here in the States, it's the keys. Um, you know, during doing a tour of the, the keys had, uh, several dive shops, uh, uh, represented there that really put on some nice displays and showed you some some good stuff. But another one was uh, Bonaire, a um, couple of booths there from Bonaire. I couldn't talk the girl into giving me one free, although she said it was next to free, and I guess that's good enough. Um, but uh, Buddy Dive uh, Resort there in Bonaire, I guess that is an awesome place to go. Um, talk to a couple people that have been there and have positive experiences and say they'll definitely go back. So that means as much to me as uh, a full-page uh, print ad in a, a national magazine, certainly. Yeah, that, that Bonaire dive, I mean, that's tempting. I'm My, my wife's talking about North Carolina you know, doing a condo this summer, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say, well, you know what, maybe just for a little bit more and <laughs> a little airplane ticket we could do Bonaire. But are you optioning yourself out of a vacation? You know, just like we said, you know, bumping up. Okay, I'll take the sunroof and I'll take the leather. And uh, wait a minute. No, I I could be, but you know, we got definitely wherever we go, we're gonna get we gotta get some diving in. And then the spot she was looking at in the condo that was gonna have some. Uh, I mean, if it's if it's on the ocean, I imagine we're gonna be able to find some place to dive. Right, with an extra room for us. You gotta you gotta fit us into the picture here. Certainly. Uh, so a, a great show. Now we we went and saw some of the seminars. Went on the uh, the track for uh, shipwrecks and underwater archaeology. So we got to see some you know, just great videos. I mean, just you know the visibility that they were able to show in the wrecks that they were able to get on. Uh, even though some of those wrecks were much diver than much deeper than we're going to be able to dive in in the near future. Uh, it, it certainly is something to strive for to be able to see some of these these wrecks down there that they had tech diving, you know, well over 200 feet. Some right. just beautiful wrecks. Yeah, and, and in really nice condition and the amount of work that they put in to locate those things. Um, I don't think everybody fully appreciates how much work it takes to to identify or to locate, to identify it, and, uh, and to research it properly. Um there's a lot that goes into that, and I guess uh, I took it for granted. It certainly does, and you know they're they're doing you know anybody who knows anything about shipwreck diving, you know not diving searching, is there's a lot of background research. Go a lot of time spent in the libraries, a lot of time spent in a boat mowing the lawn, zigzagging back and forth over your course uh, looking to find it. But uh, you know one of them we saw was the uh, David Trotter. Uh, he had uh, a video of some of the wrecks that he had done over in Lake Huron. 
uh, that I think one of them was a dredge that he had found. And just the difference from the first time he had dove on that dredge, and it was almost braille diving. He was shooting with the camera. He had a diver in front of him who was lighting up the wreck. But you could you could see two feet each side of the diver, and they had no idea what this wreck looked like. You know, they had they had discovered it, it was a first time down. They're searching, you know, but it, it was a complicated wreck, and you know they're go, they're moving through cable that's strewn everywhere. Few spots they had to back up, uh, and then they showed the video ten years later, and just with the zebra mussels how much the water had cleared up and they could see, you could see 40, 50 feet. You know, I had heard that, uh, from a couple of different people, how much better diving in the great lakes is. Uh, and it's unfortunately because of the zebra mussels. And I, I guess I didn't believe it at first, but, um, you know, with the bad comes the good, I guess. Is that how you look at that? I think it is, and, it, and it's kind of torn. You know, we're never going to be able to see these 150-year-old wrecks without zebra mussels on them. You know, no, right. we're not we're not going to see the wood. You know, everything's kind of obscured. It's almost like taking, you know, uh, it, it looks like green moss has been put on all these wrecks, and they're just a little bit thicker. The lines aren't as sharp. You don't see the details. Stuff's filled in, but you can see it. So. You know, I guess it's a little bit of, uh, you know, good to the bad. I mean, it'd be nice to have the clean, clear water without the zebra mussels, but, you know, we, it's not something we're going to be able to change. I, right. Uh, you know, unless there's some sort of predator comes and starts chowing on these little guys. But, you know, I, I you know, wherever they're at, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And careful what we wish for. Yeah. Uh, we you, could, n- you never know. Well, we, we got the, uh, that Asian carp coming in here. So, uh, you know, even if those eight zebra mussels, I don't think uh, I really want them. And again, I don't know if we're going to be able to stop those either. No, I've got a feeling that, that the way that this is going to work out, it's uh, they've already found uh, bits of uh, DNA further up above the locks. And, you know, the DNA doesn't make it upstream unless there's something further upstream to put it there. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other speaker, which I think for the seminars we saw that stole the show, was that Valerie Van Hest? Number one from the ones that I saw, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was one of those, you know, where you want to do a standing ovation and say, give her a couple more hours, because she talked right from the beginning, went right to the end, and she was zipping through that material, and I don't think it would have taken her any effort without covering anything different than what she covered to go from one hour to three hours. No, I agree. It was just absolutely amazing the wreck she had been on, and uh, and it's because it's in our, it's in our area of interest and it's in our backyard. You know, she's just up here in Holland with the Michigan Shipwreck Associates, and they're diving and searching for wrecks. And they had you know they're talking about working with uh, Clive Cussler's uh, uh, search organization Numa and uh, some of the wrecks that they're going for. So, you know, any of their books and videos that you can come across. You're certainly going to enjoy them, and uh, you know we ho- we hope to get some diving in with those people yet this year. So as far as the seminars, I was happy we got into one. It wasn't quite what I expected. We kind of went off track, and we went into one. It was diving the verticals. Yeah, well, yeah, it, and but but the reason why we thought that we would go in there, you got to explain that too. It was listed as is uh, pier diving. Well, we've got a lot of piers and in, in, uh, things around our neck of the woods, so I thought, 
man, how much better could it get? What are we missing here? Mm-hmm. And it was it was a different uh, a different sort of a thing, but it it showed me some really neat things that I would have never really expected to see. Um, first, he uh, was talking about diving off of an oil derrick, wasn't it? an oil rig in the oil, Gulf? Yeah, oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico. And I'm not sure how deep it was, but I mean, it was like 25 miles out and, uh, it had to have been, you know, 800 feet, a thousand feet. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure, but I mean, obviously they're not diving that deep, but they were going from the surface and moving on down and it was like an artificial reef, how everything had clustered on the different verticals of this oil rig and what you're able to see. And then that, that, uh, that I'm, I'm going to use the wrong term, but that was a it was a sea turtle. Yeah, or was I think think it was a loggerhead or something like yes. that. Not, not a leg logger is in a beer, but a loggerhead. Loggerhead, loggerhead. Yeah, that's like lumberjack loggerhead. I think that's a um, that's a um, a rugby team from on the other side of the uh, pad. The loggerheads. Uh, okay. No so, hate meal. No hate meal. No hate meal. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know you can follow him on Twitter. That's uh, Jay Kleeman. <laughs> <laughs> and while we're talking about Twitter, I'm Darren Gilson on Twitter, and you can follow Scuba Obsessed. So we'll get that that plug in. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the pier driving. So I thought that was interesting. And then they were also showing some some stuff. I think he was in a, the Philippines, and that was actually more what I was expecting to see uh, mm-hmm. was an actual pier. Uh, you know, of course they're in saltwater out there and a little bit different type of sea life, but. Uh, that was interesting, but you know, I mean, any even a video that we didn't know what to expect was still uh, a good program. Yeah, and it was his his whole point was that normally we we dive uh, horizontally, we swim out to uh, our dive site um, and and go that way across the top of a reef or whatever. Whereas in these situations, it was purely vertical from the top to the bottom. The strata would have uh, you know shallow to deeper all directly one below another and it was it was really neat i hadn't thought about it that way and he had some really neat footage that i hadn't seen yeah and and i the point i thought of what he was talking about was dive in unexpected places we're not talking about dive in dangerous places but just think about you know everybody gets into the little comfort area of where they dive and i think if you get bored with a sport it's probably because you're just not you know looking at at fresh places i mean I can dive every day for the next 20 years, and I'm convinced I'm never going to dive on everything that there is to dive or everything that I want to dive. There's always going to be something different that I'm going to be able to go out there and discover and learn and find. I'd agree. I agree with that. So uh, those seminars were were great. I can't recommend this show enough. Uh, We'll definitely be back there next year. Uh, You know, it's it's a nice short drive for us. you know, the, the weather held out, so we were able to get in. And uh, just to be able to get hands-on on a lot of the gear and, and meet some people who we've uh, you know, uh, we've communicated with over Twitter or Facebook or email uh, was great, too. And we, and we had some of our uh, dive club members went in with us. We had Don and Bob and Larry all made mm-hmm. in. Yep. They, uh, you know, it was a, <clears throat> for us, it was about two hours. And uh, of a drive, which really wasn't bad. Um, I was tired by the end of the day. I cruised a lot of booths and and uh, took in a lot of sights, and I learned a lot. I really did. 
Yes. Uh, we'll be posting some articles on stuff that we saw at the show, so we won't go into them in detail here. But uh, keep watching the website or, again, follow us on Twitter, and you'll be kept up to date on that stuff as it happens. Uh, so, and then this next week, we have another show coming up. Uh, I don't think Jim's planning on attending, but I'm going to be hitting the Great Lake Shipwreck Festival. That's going to be over in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And that will be uh, the Saturday the 27th is when I'll be going in. Now, that's sponsored by the, the Ford Seahorses, a dive club um, over on uh, the east side of the state, isn't it? Yes, uh, they're, they, they, they're probably one of the few dive clubs actually older than our dive club uh, that's been operating. I think they might have taken a little hiatus for a couple of years, but they're back going. Uh, you know, Ford, you, it, the, as it associates, that's actually a, a employees group originally from Ford, Ford Motor, Motor uh, that got that started. That's why they're the Ford Seahorses. Uh, but they're real prominent on the other side of the state, and they put on a nice show from what we understand, and... Uh, I'll find out. Don and I will be heading in. Uh, I think Bob might be going in as well. That's what I'm hearing. So uh, you guys need to tell me all about it. Take me some pictures from the floor and, uh, um, you know, let me live through through uh, video and pictures. And then the following week, uh, there's another one, the, the uh, Ghost Ships uh, up in Milwaukee. And I think we're going to have a couple members going to that. I can't make it. I got other obligations later in the day, but I'm hoping that I might be able to get diving in. You oh, get, what? A dive? A dive? Saturday? Uh, maybe. Not this, not this Saturday, but not, next Saturday. I think maybe we can work that out. Yep. We'll have to do it early today because uh, the kids got uh, Boy Scouts later on in the in the evening, but I need to get in the water. Uh, you know, with withdrawals, we're going to need to go into a, a seven-step program here pretty soon. If, uh, I don't. I don't. Don't get under some water here. Uh, I hear you. Yeah. So where should we go diving? Um, well, you know, I don't know. Um, I've heard it thrown about on the club website and and so forth that maybe somebody else wants to go. Uh, if we do, um, maybe I don't know the river. The river would be a good one. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to get back in Niles. What the piers are going to be? Uh, yeah. We could do Niles, I guess. Yeah, we did. The, I did the piers a few weeks ago. Uh, down the end of the the St. Joe River, and it was cold, <laughs> 33 degrees. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I believe it. it. It'd be nice if you and I could get out there and we could we we get going again. Uh, yeah, it, it's not going to be. I, I, it's not going to be any warmer, but at 33, can't get much cold. No, it can't. So the first news article we have is historic shipwreck, maybe source of oil sheens. Uh, the Coast Guard conducts dives to determine if fuel should be removed. Uh, there's a shipwreck. It's off Lena Point, and this is in Juneau. Uh, and they said, we've traced them back to what we thought was the Princess Kathleen, and we thought it would be prudent to dive in the vessel and see if there's anything going on down there. And if there was, either we do to mitigate it or we're going to proceed. So they went down with uh, a remotely operated vehicle, and uh, they're trying to determine if there's any fuel left on the vessel. So, uh, what it is, is the Alaska Department of Energy and Conservation, the Coast Guard, coordinated with Southeast Asian, Asian, uh, Southeast Alaskan literage and global offshore divers to evaluate the vessel that went aground and sank off Lena Point in 1952. So, 
I guess it's a really popular shipwreck out there. Uh, it's a 369 foot vessel and it's on a slope. So it's from about 80 to hundred feet, uh, 40 feet of water. And it's been real popular with divers, but it doesn't sound like they ever evacuated any of the fuel from the vessel when it sank. So there could, well, what happens in a case like that? Well, if you or I did it, there'd be a big fine. <laughs> they, they'd come back to us a hundred years later. They'd they'd fine our ancestors out of existence and make them take care of it. But my grandkids would would be paying for that forever. Ex- exactly. But uh, I guess these fuel tanks hold about one hundred fifty five thousand gallons of fuel if they're full. I mean, most likely it wasn't completely full. But uh, what what they're just noticing is these oil slicks on top of the water every so often. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this thing's burping from time to time? Well, they think so. They're not sure. That's why they're going back down on it. But uh, there's been a lot of uh, extra presence out there. NOAA has been out there doing some projects. So they think part of it, it's been going on you know, for quite a while. Plus, you know, as, you know it's in salt water as things corrode. Uh, you know, you, it seems like once you got a hole big enough, it, everything would just start, you know, oil and fuel are lighter than water. It's going to work its way out. Plus, you know, like right. when we sink a wreck around here, you know, you got to take off all the asbestos, all the oil packings, everything all has to be removed. Well, when it just accidentally sinks, uh, it's fine. But the, the ship is called the Princess Kathleen. It was built in 1925 for the Canadian Pacific Railroad. Uh, and to this day, it's still a popular uh, scuba diving uh, area in Juneau. Well, I can understand why. Yeah. So... Uh, we'll we'll keep following on that and see how that turns out. Uh, and then our next story is uh, it was a price fixing case uh, on, in a scuba diving shop. Uh, prosecutors announced a settlement in the Catalina scuba diving price fixing case. The Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office said Monday it had settled an antitrust and unfair competition case involving scuba divers on uh, Catalina Island. And I won't mention the guy's name. We'll post a link to the article if you want to talk about it. But without admitting liability, uh, he agreed to pay $11,000 in legal costs, civil penalties, and other costs stemming from the case, according to district attorney. Under the terms of the deal, he's prohibited from engaging in any conduct involving fixing or attempted fixing a scuba business prices or soliciting other competitors to agree to a price fix. Now, see, I don't understand that. I mean, that's why I'm not an attorney. But if it's illegal, why do you have to agree to not do something illegal? Well, okay, let's let's look at it this way. Let's say Jim opens up a dive shop, and I'm running tours, and Darren opens up a dive shop, and you're running tours. And we come to a gentleman's agreement after a while and say, look, I'm not going to gouge you. You don't try and undercut me. There's plenty of business here. That's price fixing. Am oh, I yeah. right? Oh, you're you're definitely price fixing. That's illegal. But I'm I'm wondering why they were able to let him negotiate his way out of this, and his only thing is he has to agree, agree to do something that is illegal. I mean, you or I can't get that agreement. I mean, we're going to go to jail and be in trouble for it. You shouldn't be, you know, that's a given. You know, you do any you, you shouldn't do anything illegal. You shouldn't have to agree to not do anything illegal. Are they dealing with kids? It should it, be an assumption. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just it's just bizarre. But 
Uh, and this hurts everybody when you get somebody price fixing, you know, and I'm sure, you know, to be a benefit of the doubt, it probably start off all innocent and you're like, Hey, there's plenty of business for both of us, but you can't agree on a price. You can't go, you know what? Uh, we've decided the bottom of this is $70 and maybe that's why it went down. Maybe they, when it got down to it, they, you know, they're going to have a hard time prosecuting. So in everybody's interest, they, uh, they take it out, but uh, but an, another part of the article talks about that the district attorney, attorney, easy for me to say, district attorney said the case was a textbook example of attempted price fixing among the most egregious forms of anti-competitive conduct. So, you know, I don't I don't think they got him enough. Only eleven thousand dollars, and he just agrees to not do it again. But better for him not to do it ever. Yeah, I guess I'd have to see the the circumstances there. Um, yep. You know, I, I, yeah. But uh, you know, in, in any industry, it's bad. But you know, in scubing, now you're just making me upset. Well, <laughs> yeah. Now, if you made it so I can't afford to do it, but yep. Uh, and then uh, here's one: the world's youngest scuba diver. And again, in the tradition of our news, there's names I cannot pronounce. Mumbai, Parth, Sangvai, S-A-N-G-H-V-I, broke the world record to be the youngest scuba open diver this week after he dived 40 feet underwater near the Grand Island of Goa. And this is from Patty. Uh, and that was, that was the 25th. The 10-year-old Parth was awarded Patty Jr. Open Water scuba diver certificate on February 23rd, a day after his birthday, exactly at 7.01 in the morning. Uh, he broke the record, the earlier record that in a, Egypt's Natasha Turner, who had become the youngest diver at age 10 in three days. So it's like everybody's <laughs> racing to 10. So pretty soon it's going to be You'll be you'll be getting your nine year old three hundred and sixty four days in there. You'll like soon as the his birth time occurs, you're gonna drag him down to forty feet so you can qualify for the Guinness Book record. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, this is one I'm mixed on. You know, I, I think you let a kid do it when they're ready and you know, maybe some are ready at ten. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the kids enjoy getting the world record, but it seems kind of silly. It's kind of like having the first baby at the end of the year. It just, it's like, every, it's like, it's like we're splitting hairs now. It's now, it's yeah. in, in, in the, the thing is it's, you know, there's, there's been younger scuba divers. They're calling it the world's youngest. There has to mm -hmm. be some, you know, Jacques Cousteau, grandson, niece, cousin or something who was, you know, scuba diving at eight or nine, like. You know, this is just the officially recognized through Patty. Right. It is. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of kids out there that have been on scuba gear down under younger. Yeah. Um, but I'd agree. You know, I mean, <clears throat> this is, I don't want to always be the, the wet blanket, but I'd something like this is to be a, a explored with caution <clears throat> you could you could uh, a young child could really get hurt if they weren't really attentive and 
it would have to take the the right mindset for a young child to do this safely. Yeah, I agree. You know, he just has to be the right person, and hopefully the parents are watching out for him, and the instructors aren't, you know, taking kids on, not doing something that they're not capable of doing. But, you know, I, I also know some people with uh, 10-year-olds who uh, are diving and doing quite well. So Yes, yes. So, yeah. And, a- and I'm in no way do I imply that uh, uh, Parth and his parents, uh, you know, are not approaching this at the correct manner. I'm just, you know, I know that there's a lot of kids out in the world that um, may be able to <laughs> try this unsupervised or uh, in the wrong frame of mind. Certainly. Uh, this next story is something that's a little bit closer to home. Sea uh, Lamprey, the battle continues. Uh, and this is that uh, scuba, it's a warning for divers in our area, scuba divers exploring the Great Lakes. I've now warned the pressure wash all gear before using it in other bodies of water to avoid spreading the sea lamprey. Really? Uh, that, yep. That's an invasive species uh, that destroys the native lake trout population, and it attaches themselves and draws blood nutrients from the victims. And I can remember my grandfather in the 40s, not that I was in the 40s, but in the 1940s, <laughs> he was he was talking talking about how a lamprey was really bad and they actually put up these electric mesh fences in the water that as fish would swim through them, it would zap the lampreys off their sides or at least now, how does that work? There had to have been, you know, some, you know, kind of like a picturing the fish version of a bug zapper. Yeah. You know, where the, you know, you got something that's got an opening big enough for the fish to get through, but you know, these lampreys are kind of like an eel attached onto the side dangling and, you know, they, you know, kind of go through and zap, zap, they're, they're off. You know, I'd never seen one, but I'm imagining that's what it was like. But, uh, you know, I didn't realize they had been in the Great Lakes so long. They said that that's, it's not clear whether it's native to Lake Ontario was first noticed in the 1830s or whether it was introduced through the Erie Canal, which opened in 1825. Uh, most scientists believe the, the sea lamprey entered Lake Erie through the Welland Canal in about 1921. And it did not take long to spread to Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, Lake Superior. In the 40s and 50s, they they contributed to the collapse of the lake trout, whitefish, and chub fisheries. Annual catches in lake trout in Lakes Huron and Superior dropped from 15 million pounds to 300,000 pounds in the early oh my 60s. Gosh. So, while the population has been reduced by 90% in most areas due to chemical control the st mary's river is still considered a hot zone so you know along with those uh fences uh, i guess they can also treat them with like a chemical right so, some sort of a yeah. um bug spray if you will yeah so so uh not that i'm saying everybody should be chemically treating their water but you know let's follow their advice and if you're diving in lake michigan and i, and I assume what they're meaning is that when you come out of the water you know, don't go from Lake Michigan into a, a pond later in that day with your gear. Make sure you get it off. I, I'm assuming that if you can dry it out, that it would kill them. You know, but that's something we probably need to take a look at. Uh, you know, may, maybe we need to be, you know, dipping our BCs and our wetsuits and something uh, between dives as well. So, <laughs> it uh, might work for crayfish also. Crayfish, that's true. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, it, Nature's uh, little hitchhikers. Yeah, and uh, they say that the uh, the sea lampreys' uh, life is similar to that of a salmon, where it's born in the inland rivers, it goes out to the uh, the ocean, and then comes back to the rivers to breed. They, so, uh, we've we've had our share of uh, invasive species. We certainly sure. certainly have. Uh, and then the last article we have is one on the sea hunters. Uh, this one's out of, uh, looks like, uh, Tampa Bay. And uh, the TV series Sea Hunters, or sea, not Sea Hunters, Sea Hunt was honored by dive instructors. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm trying to slaughter everything about as much as I can. It has been nearly 50 years since Sea Hunt went out of production, but the underwater adventure series... Excuse me. Was honored Saturday night for inspiring a generation of television viewers to take up scuba diving, and that's what attracted me to this story. Was what I what I've been saying for a while is we need some sort of pop culture program that people enjoy to watch that gets everyone interested in the you know we had Jacques Cousteau, you had the show program the the Sea Hunt. There's mm-hmm. nothing that's been going on since. So not really, is there? No, not really. I, I mean, I'm trying to remember what, uh, you know, maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, you had that one with Will Wheaton. Uh, uh, I don't even remember that one. Uh, yeah, they had, uh, you yeah, know, they had the submarine and they were, uh, I can't remember the name of it anymore. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's how memorable it was. That's how impressive it was. Yeah, it was a remake. So, you know, some cool special effects, but. Uh, but I, I'm trying to remember if I can remember if they had anybody scuba dive. I think everything was uh, underwater submarines, but uh, it, it sounded like it was a good program. We'll have show notes to it so you can go out there and read it. Uh, we also had, uh, if you remember last week, we had uh, scuba as an Olympic sport. So that discussion continued on in the Twitterverse for a while. And uh, we had uh, Mark from Virginia had a, an interesting idea, which was, uh, he, and he had four or five suggestions, but the one that I thought was was would actually be a viable sport was they're saying use the scooters. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. Yeah, you have some sort of obstacle. I mean, uh, we we were ta- I was talking about kind of like the Greco wrestling the mud, so you could do the scooters. And if you did want to make it interesting, you know, you could do it. You know, I, I guess you could do it kind of like jousting. You could joust on the scooters. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> or, or like gladiators you know you get the chariots and you go and you're racing around and knocking everybody off uh, but uh i mean that'd be interesting I, I i wouldn't mind watching people scooting around in scooters i think that would wouldn't be too bad i think i'd like to do that that would be fun yeah so we'll have to think of it we're, we're gonna have to invent some uh you know maybe like a triathlon of uh scuba diving you know, two or three events. It'd be neat if somebody did come up with a sport like that where, uh, you know, something that could be televised and, uh, you know, it'd be something easy to put on. You know, maybe something a dive club could put on in the afternoon sometime in the summer. You know, I guess you could do underwater water polo, but, you know. That doesn't have the yeah the, the, uh, the thing, uh, the same zing to it as a, as a full contact uh, scooter yeah. race a la... Uh, a chariot race. Yeah. So, uh, but thanks for those suggestions. The Olympics are coming to an end this week, so we'll have to find something else to uh, to uh, pique our interest. Uh, and then I thought we could come back here 
and you know I was slamming the potential of the uh, the Wii video game, and I guess it's been released now, and there's been some initial reviews, and the reviews have mostly been positive. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, the Endless Ocean Two. Uh, it's a uh, Wii game, and it's scuba diving. Uh, again, some of the people on Twitter out there and the internet were talking about it. Uh, somebody, I think it was Mark again, was saying that the the one thing he didn't like about it was that he was watching uh, gear dangle. You know that they didn't have a nice streamlined uh, streamline. Right? So sometimes you sometimes you wonder with some of these programs that they had the right consultants on. But uh, now the people reviewing this op, uh, aren't scuba divers, so maybe it's something that only drives scuba divers nuts. But the uh, you know, it's a sequel, and you know, just the reviews of the article was, uh, you know, since Endless Ocean first appeared in the Wii in 2008, virtual aquariums and fish featuring games have met with an almost unquenchable demand from Facebook users. With that backdrop, it seems that the Endless Ocean 2 could not have arrived at a better time. Uh, it talks about the graphics are improved, the variety of tasks, but uh, it, it's it seems to be an RGP type of game, uh, a role-playing game. Right. That's uh, what I gather from it. And it's not so much a dive simulator as it's more like an adventure type. Yeah. Now, this rating, this article does look like it's uh, from a Japanese game magazine. Uh, of course, it's in English, so I don't know. Maybe they got another version that's been translated. But the reviewers gave uh, it a 9 out of a 10. Um, really? Yeah. And it's something for both casual and experienced gamers. Huh. So. Oh, you know what I'm doing here? I'm reading a, I'm reading the wrong review. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out post production. Here's 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 the here's the here's the actual view. It's uh and it says uh Blue World Review, the Wii game you're wrong about. Huh? They said there's an optical illusion that sometimes appears to be an ugly hag, sometimes a beautiful lady. Uh, it's uh, some, sometimes something looks like a butterfly. Or, I don't know what they're getting at. They said this is the Wii equivalent. People who run Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo might want to describe <laughs> endless. Might want to describe Endless Ocean, the blue world to you, as the Wii's second scuba dive simulator. Uh, and it goes on. And I, I guess what they really liked about it is they said that the navigation underwater was was great. It, it's quest-driven. And they said the quests were really interesting. Now, what I thought was interesting is they have a co-op mode where you can play online with a friend. And there's also that uh, Nintendo's... Uh, talk uh going through it trying to see i know that uh it's not real accurate as far as the interaction with the wildlife too um yeah yeah somebody... know, as a diver you're always trained <clears throat> don't don't irritate the wildlife don't you know um so I, but again it, it's a game um and, you know, there's a lot of games out there that portray things that you shouldn't be doing anyway. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's the nature of it. It's it's a quest-driven game. It's a, uh, it's a 
it's a Japanese style role playing game. So, so I, I think that's what a lot of it's driven. So, now, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. It's probably not meant to be actual diving, and it's probably not even, you know, yeah. Uh, we'll see. I, I still can't decide if it's something. I'm still waiting. You know, if, it, if uh, it's a launched in the U.S. at twenty nine ninety nine, you know, I'll, if it got down to you know under twenty bucks, yeah, yeah, ten bucks, that could make a difference to me. <laughs> so, absolutely, absolutely. So that about does it for episode eight. We had our fun technical challenges there in the middle, and yikes! I, th- I think yeah, I, I but I think we get better each week. Those challengers are getting to be less and less. So right, we, sh- we should have this thing smoothed out here you know, by summertime. You know, maybe we'll, we'll we'll be able to start doing these from the dive boat. We won't even have to. So. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> so. Uh, so, again, everybody, make sure you get out to the Scuba Obsessed website, scubaobsessed.com. Uh, look us up on Facebook. The fan page is growing every single week. And uh, also, we'd have certainly appreciate it if anybody could get out there uh, to the Apple iTunes store and go ahead and give us some uh, four- and five-star reviews. That really helps us get some listeners. Uh, we'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, we had someone talk to you. Uh, we had a five-star review, and we certainly appreciate that. And I've been yes, thank out, you. out there trolling the forums, uh, looking, and we have had some listeners of the show actually post some very favorable recommendations in the forums saying, hey, make sure uh, you go out there. And one of the reviews called us, uh, yeah, there's some northerners, but they're not too bad, to, to paraphrase. So <laughs> I'll appreciate any 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 compliment I can get. So. Uh, so uh, <laughs> thanks again for listening, and uh, let us know. Give us some feedback. Uh, you, you can get out to the uh, forums on our website and let us know what you'd like to see or not see. And uh, watch out. I'll be doing some more posts this week uh, about some stuff we saw at, this, at the show. So uh, that should about do it. Do you, do you got anything else, Jim? Nope. I think, uh, I think that's all I've got also. Okay, so we'll put this uh, to bed. So everybody have a good night. Go out there and get wet. And dive safe. We'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>